Good morning, redeemed saints. Good morning, redeemed sinners. Our reading this morning is coming from Luke's gospel. And we pick up early in the story of Luke. Uh, Jesus has already struck out on his own in the region of Galilee in this part of the gospel. Um, He's been teaching. He's been healing. He's been casting out evil spirits and the like. And he's already begun raising the ire of his fellow Jewish brothers and sisters back in his hometown, Nazareth. In fact, he hacked them off so bad they wanted to throw them off a cliff. Jesus has begun to meddle. He's beginning to show and highlight his messianic promises and assertions. So we move through the first four chapters of Luke, and we finally arrive at this story this morning in Luke chapter 5. When Jesus begins calling specific followers by name to become disciples. In Matthew and Mark's gospel, Jesus calls the disciples early. But here in Luke, the the ministry has already begun. And Jesus, in this story, asks the first disciple by name to follow me. Now, as you listen to this text and to this story, I want you to pay attention to three basic qualities of what a disciple has or possesses. And also how those qualifications of being a disciple enables you and me to respond to God's presence in the moment. Three qualifications. How do those help us see God's presence in the moment? Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Listen to the word of the Lord. Now once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, now that's the same as Galilee, what Luke calls it, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. He saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing nets. And Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. And then he sat down and he taught the crowds from the boat. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put on out there to deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, We have worked all night long and haven't caught a thing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had gone, done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled up both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, he said. For Peter and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. 
And so were also James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were business partners with Simon. And then Jesus said to Simon, No fear. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. Now when they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Today marks the fifth Sunday of the season of Epiphany. Did you know that? Huh? No? Well, shame on us. It's the fifth Sunday of Epiphany. You see, the Christian calendar begins with the season of Advent. And then it's followed by Christmas, and then Epiphany kind of slides in quietly. See, in other words, in the church calendar, we intentionally move from preparing for the coming of God to welcoming the presence of God in our midst to actually seeing and experience the presence of God manifested in Jesus in Epiphany. Epiphany is the time on the Christian calendar when we begin seeing Jesus as God among us. When that whole Emmanuel thing begins to click for us. And this is exactly what has happened in our story this morning. This morning there is an Epiphany. Now, epiphanies are personal experiences that are presented to each and every one of us. All of us have had epiphanies that demand a personal response to each of them. Everybody gets epiphanies, and everybody who sees those epiphanies and experiences that revelation has to respond. You know if you had an epiphany only as an afterthought, you only know after it's happened that you've had one. So what can we do to sharpen our eyes and ears and spirits to experience epiphanies when they happen? Well, we got to understand that God both provides the context and environment for the epiphany to occur as well as the specific manifestation of how God is going to present God's self in that epiphany to each of us. It's up to you and me. It's up to the individual to recognize what has happened. Because, you see, God doesn't force Himself on us. God wants us to figure it out. God leaves us a gift in plain sight, in an epiphany. And it's up to us to unwrap that gift and to receive it. So this morning we find Jesus teaching on a boat. He is in rabbinical style. He is seated. And if anybody's been on the water, you know how voice carries over the water. He asked Peter to put out into deep water and, and drop the nets. And Peter, you know, good gosh, Jesus, I've been up all night. I've been fishing all night and it's been a bust. But okay. Had abysmal luck, but if you, if you say so, I'll, 
I'll humor this itinerant preacher. And they go out, and Jesus, probably with a little sly grin on his face, says, drop the nets here. Right here. All right. They drop the nets. And then the next thing we know in the story, they are hauling in so many fish and bringing the fish into the boat, their boats are sinking from the weight. The epiphany has been given by Jesus through the catching of the fish. What will the fishermen do with it? What will the fishermen do with that epiphany? On one hand, they could write off this catch as extremely lucky. Whoa! They could have interpreted what has happened as just a matter of fact. The preachers, this preacher is a pretty good fishing guy. And man, what a score. Jesus, you're going with me next time. On the other hand, they could have seen it as a glimpse into the extraordinary in the midst of the mundane. This is what Peter did. This is how he experienced his epiphany. We don't know if the other fishermen got it or not. This epiphany is for Peter. The circumstances and events all wove themselves together for Simon Peter, and he was able to see this manifestation of God in Jesus sitting in that boat because of all these fish. The Zebedee brothers saw it. We don't know if they got it or not. All we know is that Peter experienced and claimed an epiphany. Jesus has set the stage. But it was up to Peter to put all the pieces together and decide what to do with it. Peter, the first called male disciple of Jesus, has already exhibited two out of the three qualifications of what a disciple should have. And these two characteristics, these two qualities, helped Peter and enabled Peter to get it, to see it, to experience that epiphany. The first thing Peter did, the first qualification of being a disciple is that he obeyed Jesus. He did what Jesus asked. Pretty simple. The, enco the encounter could have gone this way. You know, Simon Peter put the net down right here. And it's at this point, Peter's tired. He could have very well answered, yeah, you know, Jesus, that really doesn't work for me right now. I think not. And as we have come to know the character of Peter over the years in Scripture, all we can do is utter, thank God he got it this time. He chose wisely. Peter obeyed what was asked of him. It was a crazy suggestion, but he went along with it when all of a sudden, God showed up and Peter 
saw it. This is where many people get to in accomplishing this first qualification of being a disciple. Jesus calls and people will say, okay. It's the second qualification that begins to pinch a little bit. The second qualification of discipleship many people struggle with. You see, the second quality a disciple demonstrates is that he or she is able to fully grasp the epiphany in front of them and then openly confess what they have seen. They obey, they confess. Jesus sets the stage, Peter obeyed, saw the epiphany, and the next step now is for Peter to confess what he has seen in the story. And our story says when Peter saw the boats getting swamped, all he could do was fall on his knees in front of Jesus and confesses, You, O Lord, I'm a sinful man. I can't be around you. Jesus realizes, he confesses, in that moment he has encountered the presence of God. The other fishermen, they experience the catch, but it is only Peter who is recorded as having dropped to his knee and confessed to what he saw. Lord, go away. I, I, I don't deserve to be near you. And he embraces the revelation. Now it's one thing to experience an event. It becomes an epiphany. And when we ascribe credit for what it is we are experiencing that is from the Lord, then we're getting to understand what that epiphany means a little bit more clearly. Peter obeyed. Peter confessed. Now there is one more exhibition of discipleship that needs to occur from Peter in order to complete the epiphonic cycle, to be complete. Obeyed, confessed, followed. Beloved, this is the one piece of the disciples' job description that is often ignored or admitted by many of us. We will obey Jesus. We will confess Jesus. And yet it's this following Jesus where things begin to pinch. And quite frankly, it's this following Jesus that makes it uncomfortable where people are uncomfortable with coming to church because they are asked to follow Jesus. It's hard. You see, if we are given an epiphany, we are expected to do something with it. What good would be catching all of those fish and Peter's realization of who Jesus is if all he did was keep it to himself? What if Peter kept everything on the boat? Peter was given a glimpse of the very presence and gracious provision of God, and now he is responsible to do something with that. 
Our story says that Peter and his business colleagues got back to shore. And they followed Jesus for the purpose of catching people alive. To be fishers of people. I like that. That's what it says in the original language. When it says, I want you to be fishers of people, it means go catch people alive. Peter was given this epiphany for a reason. Jesus asks him to do something with it. And Peter did. And because Peter did, the others began to follow as well. Friends, what are the epiphanies you have experienced in your life? Has God provided you my beloved, with those experiences where you know that you know that you know? Can you remember a time when God created the environment, set up the context for you to experience God's divine presence? Did you have this epiphany and then confess to God what you experienced? But perhaps the most important question is, what did you do with the epiphany you experienced? What did you do? What did I do with the epiphany that's been shared? Did you stay put where you are? Or did you set out, leave things behind, no looking back and follow Jesus. That's what set Peter apart. Friends, I invite you to come to this table. I invite you to follow Jesus' command to come take and eat. And in that process, as this epiphanal moment happens with you, as you eat of this bread and drink from this unfermented wine, that you will experience the manifestation of the living God. And then you take it outside of that door into the world so others can experience the epiphany through you. Sisters and brothers, pray with me. Holy One of God, come. Let us obey Your voice as You set the context for experiencing epiphanies that we would see You manifested. And Lord, that we would confess that manifestation and that we would do something about it. We would take that manifestation out in the world and share it with others. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, so be it. Friends, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. People will come from east and west, from north and south, and sit at table in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you, you will find rest for your souls. This is the Lord's table. Jesus is our gracious host and invites all those who trust in him and to share the feast that he has prepared. Please pray with me. Holy and gracious God, it is good and right that we lift up to you thanks and praise for the self-giving love that you lavish upon us. Today, we remember the unshakable and unconditional love your Son has for all people and reminds us of the kind of love we are called to show one another. The bread and the juice serve as tangible tokens of your grace and that you call us to love one another just as you have loved us. May this meal be a source of inspiration and courage that we might follow your example and lavish love upon one another in our congregation, families, neighborhoods, communities, and beyond. Send your spirit to preside with us that we might be transformed and nourished for the journey ahead. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant, sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the saving death of our risen Lord until he comes again. These are the gifts of God for you, the people of God. Take and eat. Take and eat. 